Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me as always is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And how you doing, Corey? I'm trying not to freeze, how are you? I am not cold at all, because it is warm over here. <coughs> how it's cold is it? 69 degrees in my house right now. Ah, in my house. That I think it's in nice. the 30s today. Oof. Seems nice. It's yeah. too cold. We try to keep our house at like 73, like, you know, when we can. Uh, when it's not like a billion degrees outside, so mm-hmm. it's seventy three outside right now. Oh wow! Um, I don't know why like seventy degrees feels so different in the winter than it does in the summer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in the summer, I'd probably really like my house to be about this, but I'm so cold. Yeah, Kathy gets that way too. I don't like we fight over the heat when it gets real cold here. I'm just like, no, no. It, we we like it when it's chilly in the house. I don't want to put the heat on. Um, you know, I mean, there's a point where it has to come on, but, you know, it's not going to be warmer than it is when it's, you know, hot <sighs> kind of thing, you know. Um, yeah. But, uh, listeners, if you're um, just tuning in, this is the month of February, and we are watching movies under 90 minutes with our uh, topic this month. And for this episode, we will be doing an extensive review of Bicycle Thieves from 1948. <coughs> but before we do that... I'll apologize for my cough. Um, we are recording rather early this week uh, because Corey's got some fancy dancy concert going to on our normal recording night. What what concert are you gonna be going to? I'm thinking about going to see this band that you've never heard of called TV Girl. <laughs> so, and then on Saturday I'm also going to a show. So we'll see how old I feel. Ah, true. Well, um. We like to look at what else we've been watching before we get into our major review. Uh, the What we've been watching is spoiler-free, and we will give you a warning before we get into any spoilers about Bicycle Thieves. Um, so, let's start. Corey, uh, you said you've got a few. What have, what have you been watching since last we recorded? Okay, so I had to after... Um, oh my gosh. I'll start with... Um, I rewatched a movie that I liked when I was a kid um, called A Home of Our Own. I was just like, I don't even remember what streaming device, you know, service I was on. And uh, it has Kathy Bates and Edward Furlong. Oh. And it's like from the early 90s. And I had, I totally didn't remember that they leave LA and go to Idaho. <laughs> A oh. place in Idaho I've never heard of. So it's called Hankston. So I don't get to those little towns. Um, And then I had to watch... Um, after Albert Finney passed away, Big oh. Fish. Oh, yeah. And I roped Bill into watching the whole thing, and he was like, I can't believe I forgot how good this movie is. So, one for Corey. Um, we saw that in theaters when it first came out, and I'm really hoping that they rescreen it this year because it's the 15th anniversary. Um, and I forgot that a baby Miley Cyrus is in that. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't realize that, actually. I've only seen... Uh, like the first half of Big Fish, um, because what? I don't remember what made me stop when I was watching it, but I've just not gone back to it. It wasn't because I didn't like it; it's just something came the... up that stopped me, and I just haven't gone back to it. And it has Billy Crudup in it. Like I can't. Oh. It, the whole cast is stellar. He plays the grown son, so he plays a pretty big part. Um, and then I was just so, you know, taken by how absolutely charming. Ewan McGregor usually is, but especially as Edward Bloom. So then the next day I watched Salmon Fishing on the Yemen, I believe is what it's called. Okay. With he uh, and Emily Blunt. 
I haven't seen that, but I'm, I've heard of it. Uh, in the Yemen, uh, it. I mean, obviously there are some whatever about the story, and but I enjoyed it. Well, and that's all I have for you. I have seen a few movies, um, a couple of which I am watching because I was challenged to do so uh, by Sean because we're doing our Take Six Challenge, which you can uh, listen to those episodes on the same podcast that you're subscribed to here. Um, but so on Saturday, I watched a film called We the Animals. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool. Um, it's got some really cool style, uh, stylistic elements in it. Um, they, one of the, it's three brothers, and they live in a kind of tough situation with their mother and father. And um, the youngest brother is our main character, and he draws in like a journal, and so it'll cut to some of like some animated s- scenes that are representative of what he's doing in the journal. <laughs> and he's he's struggling the most um he's the youngest and his mom babies him and there's some uh some it's a coming of age story and it's it's really well done it's very interesting um some very for a very indie low budget film there's some really cool effects in it um I like the like the animation i mentioned but i i won't go into how much i liked it just yet but i did enjoy it that was the good movie that sean challenged me to watch um, I then went and saw What Men Want, the uh, the remake of the What Women Want, or the reboot, or however you want to, uh, the reimagining, and it was actually pretty funny. Um, not perfect, <coughs> but uh, the humor was strong. It was really cracking me up. Um, the guy who plays Big Head in the uh, Silicon Valley TV series um, is her assistant in the movie, and I'm not able to come up with his name off the top of my head here, but I really liked him the most. I, he was just cracking me up. Um, it's not even going to be like, he's not even one of the first ones listed on Letterboxd. Uh, Josh Brenner, he's like easily the co-star and he's not listed because he's not as big a name, but, um, Taraji P. Henson is also great though in the lead and the the premise works. Um, you know, it's funny enough <coughs> where it kind of falters is the end. Um, I feel like it, it tries to wrap everything up a little too neatly. Kind of feels like a after school special. Uh, right after I watched that. I watched Bicycle Thieves at home later that evening to make sure I could fit it in. Um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Last night I watched The Double, which I actually messaged you about. And that has uh, you know Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Mia Wachowski, whose name I'm sure I'm mispronouncing, but we Wasikowski? Kowska? I guess Vaz- it's uh... Now I'm <laughs> Wasikowski. Never mind, John. You but um, <laughs> Wallace Shawn is also in it uh, for a very small part, and it's inconceivable. Um, but uh, I actually I hadn't really heard much about this. I I've been eyeballing the, the cover for a few weeks because it's uh, it's been on Hulu, and I kept looking at it, kept looking at it, and I really liked it. Um, I didn't realize it was directed by Richard Ioti, uh, who is um, Moss on IT Crowd, which is a show I absolutely love. And I would have watched this sooner had I realized that. Um, Chris O'Dowd has a cameo because of it. Um, Very small, like super small part, but I was still excited when he showed up on screen. And um, yeah, I I like the movie quite a bit. I don't know exactly where just yet because it's definitely, it's not super straightforward. And then it is kind of straightforward. So I'm not 100% how I feel about all of it, but I definitely liked it. And I thought Jesse Eisenberg was fantastic. I think it's one of his favorite, uh, one of my favorite performances of his and then Corey, sean's bad movie for the week i watched today and it was bad um it is 
a direct-to-DVD sequel of Norm of the North called Norm of the North Keys to the Kingdom. Now, what makes this one kind of worse is that there are two more in production right now. Um, one has already got a, like, box art and is coming out this year. Um, and the other just has a title on IMDb, but it, it appears they're going to make a whole slew of these horrible movies. This movie's bad. It's very, very bad. It's actually like two cartoons loosely taped together. It was it was a, it was very torturous. I, I I hope no one else ever watches it. So if you're looking for a recommendation, uh, it is don't watch Norm of the North Keys to the Kingdom. It is very bad. Don't let your kids watch it. That's also not okay. Uh, it's bad. So that's what we've been watching. It's a little short this week because uh, it's only been a few days since we recorded the last time. Yeah. So I'm actually, this is more movies than I usually have, though, so I'm impressed is. with myself. It is. I was actually surprised when you said three. I was like, oh, wow. So the movie we're going to be talking about for the rest of the episode um, is Bicycle Thieves. Um, it might also be The Bicycle Thief, depending on which version of box art you find, because it is an Italian film uh, from 1948. Directed by Vittorio De Sica. I'm sure I mispronounced that. Uh, I'm not going to read all the names of the actors because there's no real stars. In fact, in this movie, these were all just regular people that he cast um, under the uh, a very interesting kind of point of view that you could a good director could direct any person to be an actor. Um, and this is a part of and considered to be the, uh, the one of the first films of neorealism in Italian cinema. Uh, post-World War II. Um, and this is the second time I've seen this movie. Uh, Corey's first. And wh- why she picked it for this week. Um, so before we get into uh, too much. We like to just talk about our general impressions of the film. And then we'll give a nice spoiler warning. Before we get into all the specifics. Corey. What did you think of Bicycle Thieves? Um, wow. I feel like I'm kind of heartless lately because I feel like all these movies that should be like punching me in the gut and the heart simultaneously just aren't really doing it. Um, I enjoyed the movie, but given the subject matter, I just feel like we're following him for so long, but I don't really feel emotionally attached. I don't feel, I don't know how to explain it. Like is when this is taking, I know it's in Italy, but I can't remember, like, and they talk about being on the dole again, so everyone is having a hard time, but I can't remember, Is it was in 48. It was in 48. I'm really bad with American, his, with history and world history, but what was going on in the world, was that around one of the world wars? No, it's that's too post-world late. post-World war. It's post-World War Two. Okay, perfect. Um, I'm fairly confident about it. Now I'm hesitant, because I'm not great with dates either, but. No, see, that's where I get mixed up. But um, I en- I enjoyed watching it because, again, it I feel like it's another uh, – we don't get to see, I feel like, from other countries during that time what's going on. And I liked our main character, and I felt like he was very human, but uh, I just didn't – I don't know. I enjoyed the movie, though. <coughs> um, I liked it very much the first time um, I saw it, and I was um, – I wasn't looking forward to rewatching it um, because it is it's a it's a tough watch. I think uh, it, it's short, but it is, you know, most of the action is 
at a distance and um there is a lot of context that i don't initially have however i do find the humanity in the film to be uh so strong that it doesn't matter um that i don't know everything that's going on and i did both when i saw it the first time and this time around i did like do some reading to kind of get the context because it opens up with him basically standing at like a, a outside of like a temp job place like any everyone's looking for work um <clears throat> and he uh he gets an opportunity for a job but he has to have his bike which we learn he's recently pawned his bike in order to feed his family so now they have to how do they get the bike back because he can't get the job without the bike and they need the job so right away you're like wow this is uh stressful like his whole like world is predicated on this bicycle and i mean i think in today's at least here we would think more like a car you know like the need of the car like you couldn't have a delivery job without a means of delivery so Mm -hmm. (coughs) um i remember when i when i saw this movie the first time and it happened again really even though i knew what was going to happen once he gets the bike back because that happens very early. He, he gets the bike right away. They uh, sell their sheets in order to get it. It's not a spoiler. This is all in the first 15 minutes. I was sitting there knowing the title of the movie is The Bicycle Thieves. And now seeing how important the bicycle was. I was on the edge of my seat. Like, who's going to take this bike? And why aren't you being more careful with the bike? Because like, you know it's going to happen because that's the name of the movie. So I was like freaking out the whole time. Uh, especially the first time. Um... I really like the lead actor. He plays a very, you know, somber together character, but I really like his kid Bruno. <coughs> I found him to be um very cute and charming. Um and brave. Yes. And a tough little guy. Yeah, like, you know, throughout he he is even like he's a little mechanic. You know, he works at a gas station. The kid's like 7 or something and he's working at like a gas station. But he also fixes the bike. Yeah, I was going to say he knows everything about his dad's bike. Yeah, and like he's so mad when it's scratched when they get it back from the pawn shop. He's just like, whoa, these jerks scratched our bike. I'm sorry about my voice, by the way. It is driving me crazy. (coughs) I can't clear my throat enough, but... That's the worst. um, I like the movie a lot. I I definitely understand why it's considered a masterpiece. Um... It, it's so it's so simple and yet so elegant in its storytelling um and you do you kind of get to travel through uh this you know italian world during this time um and see kind of like all of the uh the crazy stuff that's going on after the war and i had to look it up the world uh world war Two ended in 1945 and i know that it took time to get like the economy different economies back in you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I don't... I really well, do want to take more history this, classes. This one is uh, severely... This movie is severely affected. Or not the movie. Well, the movie itself, but also, like, the reason this movie exists is to kind of show what post-war Italy was going through. And I think it's it does a really great job of doing that. Um, but that's all the initial, like, things I have to say. Do you want to jump into spoilers? Sure. Okay, guys. From here on out, we're going to talk about the bicycle thief slash thieves um, in great detail. You can go check it out, but you've been warned. 
I totally forgot about that. I want to say that as soon as he like got his bike back, you're so right. I was just waiting. And then he, there's one point, there are a couple points where he just leaves his bike leaning against the wall, Mm -hmm. but everyone does that. We see them just leaving their bikes everywhere. Nobody, I don't know if they used bicycle locks back then because it didn't seem like anyone had their bicycles locked. Um, just waiting. And he even goes up the stairs. He asks a stranger to like watch his bike. And I'm like, I thought that that actual part was going to happen a little earlier in the film, which it's not very far into the film, but you know. Yeah. Um, <coughs> and how it happens too, because he's actually working when it happens. Like he's in the middle of hanging up a poster and we see a dude looking real shady at the bike. And it's actually like a team effort, right? Because I feel like the guy who helps yeah. him, Chase the guy down is there to distract him, not to actually help. Yeah, put him in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a really strategic move. And then um, you feel so for, so bad for him because he reports the bike stolen. And the cop's basically like, yeah, okay, good luck. Like, this is all, we're not going to go hunting your bike. You can go hunt for your bike. And now that you file a report, if you find it, we can help you get it back. But that's the best we got for you. And so, you know, it's he he goes and meets his friend and they were like, yeah, 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 we'll go to the plaza and uh, we'll we'll look for the bikes. You know, we'll divide up the labor, which they say like three times how they're going to divide up like searching. OK, with that, there's a part that I, I don't I didn't remember, but there is a creepy guy, I think, trying to like kidnap Bruno. He's like offering him to buy, to, offering to buy him things. He's like, "Oh, do you want that bell? Oh, yeah. do you want anything else?" And I'm like, "Oh." And then no. when they take, when they take Bruno, he looks really disappointed, like he just lost himself a little, you know, lover, and that freaks me out. And I'm just like, "Wow." And I could be miss, I don't feel like I'm misconstruing that at all. Like, no, because I totally felt the same way. Because like, I'm not saying people can't buy people gifts or whatever, but the way he was like lurching around him and like hovering around him it was real sketchy and bruno was like being again tough because he's not even like he's like not acknowledging the guy he's just like whatever dude get out of my face (laughs) and then i think the dad says stay with me like after that too because of how like freaked out i think the dad was about the guy but no one reports the guy either like you know and that might be the time period that you didn't report that kind of stuff people just did it i guess i don't know but it freaked me or, out. Or, I mean, I mean, that I feel like, I don't know. Oh, he was creeping around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I I feel like that could possibly be hard to report or hard to, Maybe. especially later on in the film when we're like, oh, so it's just your word against all these witnesses, you know, um, that if something didn't happen in broad daylight with 500 witnesses, then you don't have a leg to stand on. Yeah. And that's... um. So he goes through like a, a series of different things. Like he, we see him at like, I guess it's uh, like a homeless shelter, like church setup where they feed the homeless, but you have to go to church first in order to receive anything. They shave the homeless people, or at least it's implied that they're homeless. I mean, it doesn't outright say in the movie. I don't think the word homeless is used, but um, there's a lot of people there. <coughs> um, and he's following the guy in who he saw talking to, who he thinks is the thief. And then we meet uh, the thief at a brothel, which... Which I... Go ahead. I love them acting like they're such upright moral citizens when she runs a cat house, you know? Yeah. Like, my son wouldn't steal that. We're a blah, blah, blah family, you know? And I'm just... I don't know. 
but yeah um and the 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 real like thing for the movie to me where it wins everything is the end um where he's so desperate for a bike that he that he's yeah he's looking over um all the bikes and like sees like they're all just there because there's so many people because there's like a football game or something going on like soccer football not american football there's just so many bikes and he's just eyeballing them all and then there's one left unguarded like you said like everyone just leaves their bikes wherever um and he goes to get the bike and uh he rides off but he first tells bruno to take the bus home but bruno doesn't get on the bus so bruno witnesses dad being chased by a mob and then caught and like they're gonna turn him into the police and if bruno had gotten on the bus the dad goes to jail i think you think yeah, because the guy lets Maybe. him go because of Bruno standing there crying. Yeah. Because he sees the kid and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to report him. I got my bike back. That's all that matters. I think that it <coughs> does take it to a whole like other level of desperation when you have other people to take care of. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't imagine being in that situation just myself and Bill. And I can't imagine having two kids to take care of, too. And... Think of like the the sacrifice. The wife sold all their linen, so they have no sheets, in order to pay for the bike, which the, the bike, bike is six hundred six thousand lira and like one hundred something like that. So I don't know how much money that is. It's clearly a lot. Um, but at the same time, the sheets were valued more, I guess, to a degree. I mean, it was one bike for six thousand, and they got seven thousand and some change for the sheets. And it was three sets well, of sheets. It was- yeah, it was like linen though, and linen is expensive, so I don't know. Yeah, um, she says they were wedding of, gifts. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting because they show, I guess it's kind of like a pawn shop, kind of. They're like buying all these things from people, but we see this guy just scale up this wall of shelves full of sheets that they've purchased from people. And I just think it's interesting that they keep buying and buying and buying when they already have so much. And we see all the bikes that are like, you know, that are have been pawned and we just see all of these things. And I just thought that it was kind of interesting because it doesn't seem like people are buying are like purchasing those things from them, but they keep purchasing them from purchasing them from, I guess, the civilians. I don't know how to word that correctly. But you know what I mean? There's no mm-hmm. demand there, but they have way more supply. Yeah. Um, I So this, I mean, I know Criterion goes through a lot to like re... Oh my gosh. Master? Yes, thank you. But there were still a couple of parts in the movie that were very dark when they... Um, I think that the per- part that I really noticed it was when they see the old man and then they start like following him before they get to the church i think mm-hmm. it it's really dark um so i wonder what it looked like before they even remastered it i know the movie is very old i mean we're coming up on like a hundred years already i mean it's like 70 almost something like that yeah yeah um, maybe 80 yeah i can't math right now 55 be... no it, it's 70 you're right um 71 now um because it's 48 so uh yeah i mean part of it is because the way they the cameras use because they they go outside they're using natural lighting um this is almost it's not a documentary but it's it's very much a documentary style in the way that they're non-actors being coached and directed to act 
and the equipment, this is part of the, the neorealism. They were looking to have, you know, they wanted to show you the world that the, that they're actually in. So this, there's no sets. These are all real places. <coughs> but that limits your um, your production. You, can only, you can't use, you know, stage lighting like they would have been using in, in sets at that time. So it's, you know, you have to be a little forgiving with, like, the darkness. And again, I know you weren't criticizing. It's just, like, it, no. even remastered, um, you can't make it look... You can only fix it so much. You know, you can't you can't add light where there was none. It's it's going to be you know, or it'll start to be washed out if you start adding too much brightness to it or whatever. So yeah. Well, it's, I did it. Mm. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I would just it, it's it is an interesting point because this is it's an older film and it was done in a way that even now if you made a movie, um, like with your iPhone, uh, in fact, um, if you watch uh, Unsane or. Soderbergh's new film that's on Netflix, The High Flying Bird, there are parts that I think are very dark because he's shooting with the lights in the room. He's using an iPhone. While the iPhone has a really great camera, it still can only use the available light. So if you're not adding a light source to, you know, front lighting your subject, they're going to get, you know, either overly dark because of the the setting or, <coughs> or if the light behind them is brighter, they're going to be dark, silhouetted out, you know, the things like that, like little things. If you're not going with a full production, you're going to lose some stuff to that. And it's just a choice. You know, they're going for realism. They're going for simplicity. In a lot of ways, I think filming with the iPhone, especially like if you look at Sean Baker's uh, Tangerine, kind of mirrors the neorealism movement um, from this time period where there's this uh, push for naturalism, what what the world's really like, what it really looks like if we were standing there versus what it would look like if we overproduced and added all these effects and lights and things to that. Um, but that's, this movie is short and there is a lot of like standing and waiting and searching. I mean, they really, they, I think they take the searching sequence a little long, you know, like it goes, it goes a little too long. Um, I really like the scene when it's raining and Bruno falls down in the rain. Yes. And I don't know if that was planned or not. I kind of think it was an accident. Um, and he also almost gets hit by a car and his dad is walking away from him very fast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cars in this movie drive way too close to people. And I don't know if that's just how it is. Like, if people are just, like, in the road and cars are just like, whatever. Get out of the way or die. Like Me? Driving? What? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got time for no pedestrians. Um, but maybe for a seven-year-old kid, I would slow down. <laughs> um, I, uh, I still, like, I, I don't know how to express this well. But I still, like, I kind of... I can see where we are and I can see the desperation, but I still feel like, I don't know, a little detached from it. I mean, that can happen for a multitude of reasons. Um, it might be the history side of it. It could be uh, maybe a language barrier. Um, you know, cause not that you can't connect to a character with subtitles, but I do feel like the, the dialogue is, is kept very simple, partly because of the non-actors, I think being a big part of it. That you know they they're not memorizing lines in the same way that a professional actor would know how to do, and I can't remember if I read that the some of the dialogue is improvised like on like it's not written in the traditional sense, but um you know on the like okay we'll say this and and we'll we'll oh. do the line um so it might be the character is not as fleshed out as it would have been with a professional actor and maybe more traditional script um and I could be wrong on that I'm I'm I've read a few things but it's been a while so. Um, I 
did it bother you that these people are all very poor, but they're paying a fortune teller? And they mm-hmm. do that multiple times, and there are people, like, crowding her apartment Which, to pay I think her. That's part cultural, um, you know, b- believing into that. And then it could even be um, the desperation kicking in, too. A little like, bit of hope. Yeah, that maybe this person can give us an answer that no one else is able to give us. Um because you also, you know, you're at the church and you see he he clearly has, I would say, no interest in religion, but he does turn to her. Like, there's not a scene where he goes to pray for his bike, I don't think. But there is where he goes no. to the the fortune teller hoping for answers. Yeah. Even though he mocked that early in the film when the wife wanted to go, he mocked her. You know, like, that's pointless. What are you, try- what are you doing? Um, But, yeah, I mean... I can see being detached. I I didn't feel detached, but I can understand why you might be. Um, I think Bruno really brought me in more than the dad, though. I, I like both of them so much. <sighs> That's what it's weird that you feel detached when you when you have when you care about them. I, I feel like I guess that it isn't driven home how exactly how desperate it is because the whole time, I mean, I know the bicycle is important and i know that he can't do his job without it and that all of these people are without work but uh, i don't know maybe it's also because he's so solemn and maybe that is just him as a person or maybe that mm. is also the culture or the time period too like he doesn't react a lot true. i guess no that's true um so well my favorite scene i think in the movie though is when uh he kind of gives up finding the bike and he's like you know what are you hungry? Do you want a pizza? And they're just, again, just going to a fancy, well, maybe not fancy, but you know what I mean? Going but, to a restaurant. But this is, I feel like it's the most relatable thing, because think about our culture right now. They're real, the middle class is is not the middle class in the traditional sense anymore. It's more like no. low, high poverty to either wealthy, right? Like, there's a huge gap. And yet for. we're, we're sitting in debt. We're sitting in, you know, we're struggling to get by, but oh sometimes God, you just, right. you gotta, inv- you gotta take a moment. You gotta buy a movie. You gotta go to dinner. You gotta do that because what the hell else you got? You know, this is it. This is your one thing. The one moment of joy is going to be, yes, we're going to pay for it later, but God, at least we're going to enjoy this moment right now. And I think that's a super relatable more than any other moment in this movie, because we do that all the time. That's kind of the American way, right? It's why we have credit cards. Oh card my god! Debt. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Or thirty-year mortgages. Yeah, I mean, or you know, why we drive expensive cars that we can't afford, you know, because it it makes us feel a little bit better about our overall situation. And that's he knows that that tomorrow he's going to have to fess up to his boss that he doesn't have a bike. He's going to be fired, which means all the sheets were for nothing. His wife's going to be mad at him. He's you know nothing's going to work out. This is going to be horrible. So let's go have a slice of pizza. Which, of course, they don't have pizza. But they get fried bread and mozzarella. And, man, it looks delicious. Um, When the kid's biting it and pulling the cheese, I'm just like, oh, that looks so good. And he gives the kid wine. Like, which (laughs) nobody nobody cares. But at the same time, you can tell the kid's not used to getting wine. Because he's just like, okay. Well, I mean, he did just trek all over Italy. Looking yeah. for a bike. Um, and it that like they do a really quick job of like classism there too mm-hmm, in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. 
like you have to be rich to eat like them every day or i can't remember his exact words but it's a large family having a big feast at the a same restaurant big feast and the little girl i think it's a little girl keeps looking back at bruno and bruno keeps looking back at her it might be a little boy but i i, I was pretty confident it was a girl um and the, the yeah that table's got like a tablecloth on it where their table doesn't and even when they come in they kind of seem like they're not okay with them being there at first but they're like oh right serve them serve the and he orders a pizza and they say we don't have pizza i don't understand why they don't have pizza if it's too fancy to have pizza or if it's not fancy enough to have pizza like i couldn't tell the word he uses didn't mean anything to me so i'm like i don't know what that means but okay dude you don't have pizza that's okay (laughs) but i love that scene that's that's my favorite scene um because it is i do feel like it's super relatable Okay, that all made perfect sense. But I do feel like he's going to have some splaining to do when he gets home to his wife. 100% sure, yeah. But again, I think that's... You see that, I think, if you go through episodes of The Simpsons, you'll see things where, like, Homer chooses to, like, go to the bar one time before coming home. Because he knows it's going to be bad when he gets home. Like, and again, you can pull from anywhere, but The Simpsons is where my brain went. Um, But I think that's all I have to say about uh, The Bicycle Thieves. Same. All right, I, I'm going to say it's a must-see movie. I think it, it definitely deserves the praise that it's been given. And I am so bad with this every time, and my internet is freezing. And one day, listeners, I will have all of these memorized, or I'll <laughs> think about it ahead of time. But today is not that day. Dang it. Sorry. Well, um, while Corey waits for the internet to load... um. <laughs> The the next movie uh, that we're going to be watching is coming up here in a moment. Still on our theme of 90 minutes or less. The last one for the month, though, that I got to pick. Um, any luck, Corey? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to go ahead and finish. Oh, no. I'm going to go with Not Quite Golden Pony Boy. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that's where you might go, but I would have been a little shocked if you went Decent Watch, but I'm glad you went with that one. Oh, no. And I, I, I love when we talk about movies and then i appreciate them more which happened with this one big part of talking about them you know thinking through what yeah. you're looking at um so the next movie is going to be from 1998 uh moving what 50 years into the future with run oh lola God. run uh one hour 21 minutes uh so right underneath our 90 minute runtime um it has a 77 meta score 7.7 imdb user score directed by tom tickwer Stars Franca Potente, Maritz Bellabtru, um, Herbert Knopp, Nina Petri. Um, I think this is a French film, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I could be wrong. It could be German or Italian or something, but it is a foreign film. German. It's a German film. Um, it's one that I've... It's been on my radar for a while, and it fits this criteria. So I said, hey, why not? Let's watch Run, Lola, Run. Uh, and have you ever seen this? No, I haven't. But you've also owned it for a while, right? Yeah, I came into this movie. I own it, but I didn't purchase it. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've had it in my, you know, I've had it for a while. So I was kind of interested and I didn't really know what it's about. And I'm reading this one sentence uh, synopsis and I'm definitely interested. Yeah, I've I've read it. It's been on a few lists. Um, and I remember, I don't remember what movie I owned when I was a kid. That the trailer was like at the beginning of it, so I saw it a hundred times because it was VHS. Oh, so um, it, it probably was The Matrix um, or something like that because I I watched those a lot, and that would have been a year after this came out. So, 
But we'll be watching Run Lola Run. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the film. If you want to, you can reach out to us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. And if you uh, want, you can help me go to Tribeca with our editor, David Ortega. Um, we have a, Go, a GoFundMe set up uh, um, right now on the homepage at BurkeReviews.com. You can click on the link and go and donate. Anything helps, a dollar, ten dollars, a thousand dollars. We don't need more than a thousand dollars. So if that's what you're given, thank you right away. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like they should get personal high fives. Yeah, um, but if you want to help, that would be great. Um, you know, it just helps keep the uh, the film festival circuit running on BurkeReviews.com. Um, we are Florida-based, so being able to travel is not a luxury that my day job affords, nor is it something Burke Reviews can afford without your support. So thank you in advance, um, any listener or anybody who decides to give. Thank you very, very much. Um, we'll be back next week with our review of Run, Lola, Run. And until next time, uh, get rid of any illnesses and keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight Show's filmtastic selection of podcasts, covering the entire movie verse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.